people surprise you, people shock you, um, people make you sad, people make you laugh. And I think there's a whole range of those people in the regions especially. Aussies are relocating from capital cities to regional Australia in record numbers. We could give you all the stats about better house prices, all the jobs on offer and higher levels of happiness. But what's better than hearing from someone who's made the move themselves? Welcome to You Moved Where, the podcast where we interview everyday Aussies who have moved from the city to the country. I'm your host, Beth Bignall, a girl from regional Australia who moved to the city and then, you guessed it, back to regional Australia. This is You Moved Where. Tim Wong C first realised he had a passion for radio when he rigged up a makeshift FM radio in his bedroom as a little kid in Sydney. Like many of the radio greats before him, Tim headed from Sydney to the sticks to tread the boards at regional radio stations. The jump from big metro media organisations to regional radio stations was a huge change, but Tim's love for local storytelling kept him in the game. Arriving in Albany, WA, appointed as the breakfast show host for Great Southern ABC, Tim quickly learned to acquire an interest in weather, which is totally lost on his mates back home, but has helped him connect with the people on the ground in the cosy, charming coastal town. A couple of years into the move and Tim's a bit of a local legend. He gets bailed up at the butchers and cornered at a cafe by people who are keen for a chinwag. But he's happy for the chat, because for Tim... Their stories are what gets him up at Sparrows and spurs him on each day. (laughs) Tim Wong C, you moved where? I moved from Sydney to Brisbane, the Gold Coast, Sunshine Coast, and now in Albany in Western Australia. Albany in Western Australia in the wonderful great southern region, which I am quite biased about growing up just down the road in Koji. But you grew up in Sydney where media and entertainment were very close at hand. What inspired you to get into radio? Uh, Well, it's actually a funny story. I think when I was um, 10 years of age, I was always really interested in how things work, electronics. I was a bit of a nerdy kid pulling the backs off remote controls and causing a bit of chaos around the house. Uh, And so I had a fascination with getting behind the scenes of things. And because electronics was a bit of an obsession, I remember getting one of these electronic kits from Dick Smith when that shop actually existed. And it was one of those connect the wires between these points on the on the chipboard and you can make whatever it is. And this particular one, one day was an FM radio microphone. And uh, I built that It broadcast my voice about 10 meters distance, not very far at all. So my parents and my brother were the main listeners. And <laughs> it kind of grew from there to a bigger area from around where we lived in Sydney to the point where it was illegal. The police got involved. I was arrested, but not arrested because I was underage. Um, volunteered in community radio, studied it, and then now working you know, professionally in radio. So it's been something I've done since I was a kid, always been a passion of mine. And I feel very lucky to do what I love doing. Yeah. That is such a good story. And when you said I volunteered in community radio, it almost sounded like because of your misdemeanor with your illegal radio station that you had to do community service in the community radio station. But that is just part of the journey often when you're on the trajectory of, you know, a radio career, as is going out to the bush is often something that you have to do to earn your stripes. Talk to me about the first time that you left Sydney. 
So the first time I left Sydney, I w- went to Brisbane and it was for a job with uh, Nova and Commercial Radio there. Uh, and I guess people talk about Brisbane as a, a big country town. Uh, I mean, I don't really know that's true. I was there for two years and it definitely felt like a city to me. But um, it, that was my first experience of leaving. And, um, you know, first time in Queensland, hot, humid, uh, very laid back. It, I guess it was a first introduction to the, you know, no worries, mate, anything's possible, mate, kind of thing that you really find amplified in the region. So I guess it was a bit of a, you know, a wedding of the appetite there. Um, but that was my first experience of moving out of that very busy, you know, big uh, Sydney. And Tim, radio is actually a very competitive industry to get into. What gave you the point of difference or how do you think you've been able to cut out a career that has then taken you beyond Sydney to Brisbane and further? Uh, well, I think it was evident in the start. I think it had a natural passion to want to do this job. So I think that has, you know, nothing's been ever forced about it in trying to make something great on the radio, whether it be in community radio, commercial radio, or what I'm doing now at the ABC. I think that at the end of the day, the thrill of having or knowing there's someone who you can't see who's invisible at the end of the line, uh, someone's there who is expecting something entertaining, something interesting, something funny has always been a a challenge I've enjoyed. So I think that, you know, in order to progress through the various levels that I have, um, maybe has is the result of that just inner desire to want to create something that's interesting in audio form, which is challenging. You've got no pictures, you've got no visual cues, it's only the voice or whatever audio sounds you decide to use. But I've always found that to be quite interesting, quite a challenge and quite rewarding when you do hear from people on the other end who did find it interesting or, or engaging. So I think that has helped me to um, progress to, you know, the stages where I am now um, because it's been this inner fire really that has burnt since a young age. Is it that fire that sort of has kept you propelling on this journey in radio and taken you to different places? Like when you started, did you know that it would mean that you'd be travelling so much and uprooting your life? Uh, yeah, I did. I think I knew that pretty quickly because you see where you might want to be and what positions you want to be at. And, you know, I grew up in Sydney and spent some time in Brisbane. And so those metropolitan city presenters have been, or well, basically all of them, have been to some regional place in Australia to learn their craft and to earn their stripes. And so it becomes pretty clear that if you are also hungry or interested passionate about that and getting there. Uh, there are a few stones and stepping stones along the way. So you ready yourself to embrace a lifestyle in the regions um, along the along the way. So I did I get I did get that indication um, very quickly, yeah. So Tim, you went down that traditional road of moving out of Sydney to kind of start your career and then you went bush, but you've actually stayed bush. Tell me what the um, experience was for you when you moved from Brizzy to Sunshine Coast to Gold Coast and then to Albany. I think that from Brisbane and then Gold Coast, Sunshine Coast and now Albany, Albany being the smallest of the places I've been to, I mean, I think that um, in the regions you don't have as much media as you do in the cities, right? So we have the ABC here, we have a couple of local papers as well, some that have since folded since then. But I think that uh, you you have this huge creative license in the regions, which is very exciting. You have stories that you know won't get told if you don't do the story. You have things that need to be highlighted, you know, wrongs that need to be righted or things that need to be exposed or just great fun stuff that just is, is worth celebrating. 
And I guess the feeling of responsibility, knowing that you're one of the very few avenues for people to actually go to, um, keeps you in the job, in the regions where you are, because the community relies on you for that sense of um, storytelling. And coupled with what I mentioned earlier about being passionate about doing that full stop, um, I think has been a recipe to keeping me here um, in a regional area so far. You've just talked about all of the different stories that you like to be involved in sharing. And I think the way you describe how audio is a different form of storytelling is really interesting because you're right, there are no pictures to support it. You have to really be able to find a way to get to the heart of the story and connect with the listeners. Um, Tell me how you feel about all of the different people that you get to meet through the storytelling activities that you get to undertake on behalf of ABC. Oh, I mean, that is really endless. I think people surprise you people shock you, um, people make you sad, people make you laugh. And I think there's a whole range of those people in the regions especially. Um, And it's just so, you know, I've been out of Sydney for a while now, but it is so foreign in a lot of ways to the people that I am used to, you know, being around in in the city. Um, But you come to understand their sense of humour or how they relate, even if if it's quite, you know, distant to what you're used to. Um, but that, I mean, that's part of what keeps that the job exciting. Is going back to your, your an earlier point you made about what keeps us in in the regions. I think it's the variety and diversity of those people, which um, makes you appreciative of the the melting pot of people you can find in the regions and the the attitudes and the mindsets that you only really find once you leave the the city boundaries. And so, tell me about like obviously your life in Sydney, and I've lived in Sydney, and it's it's busy, right? Like there's lots of cars on the road. There's lots of people living on top of each other. You know, you wait for a coffee and it takes you quite a long time. Same thing in the country, really, because people like to have a chat. But there's a lot of things that are very unique to that big experience of Sydney. How was it for you transitioning from city life, be that Gold Coast or, you know, Sunshine Coast, still still relatively big cities? How was that for you transitioning to somewhere like Albany, which is quite isolated? you know, like it's right down the end there, the end point of WA, Southern Point, very far away from where you grew up. How have you kind of experienced that transition? Uh, all on one hand, it's great because there's no commute and there's five minutes down the road and there's no traffic lights. And um, I just think that's brilliant because I used to live in the suburbs of Sydney where the M2 bus on the M2 was like the way to get into town. It was always really exciting because you're crossing the Sydney Harbour Bridge and how are you going to get home from King's Cross? You're going to have to take the night rider, but the night rider is awful. And there's lots of drunk people. And getting into Moore Park when I was studying radio was like two buses in two hours and it was a nightmare. So on that hand, it's wonderful in Albany because it's great and um, re- that regional lifestyle. I think at the start when we moved, my wife Sarah and I moved from Queensland to Albany, that was a, a, a big transition. It was a huge move. We had never heard of Albany before. We were probably calling it Albany. Um, and I had to pull up a map and find out where it was. No family, no friends. Um, from sunny Queensland into the depths of winter Albany 2021, raining cold, no friends, especially for my wife who doesn't have any colleagues who working for her city business in, in Albany. So I think that was um, definitely hard. It was hard for her and by consequence hard for me um, to actually find those, those network. But I think that when we talk about the people in the regions, when you do meet these people who are really, who might, you might not have met, the people from those backgrounds or 
those kinds of people before, you do adjust and you do mould um, and you do transition into um, their way of, you know, managing or I guess interacting with people so that you can form maybe a friendship, longer-term friendship to um, make you feel more at home away from the initial feeling of being uprooted and moved. Um, and it is a bit of a, a shift that you make and some are more comfortable than others but we've made some really great friends since then. Um, so I guess it really does just take time but it was difficult at the start and um, we didn't really know what the solution was but I think time is probably one of the biggest things that has helped with that. Were there networks that you were able to tap into to start to kind of form a social base? Yeah, we um, are part of a church so that's been a big source of a lot of our friends and we've met some great people there. Um, I've been getting into running so athletics clubs I've uh, been emceeing a few events and because of the nature of a small town, these people that you meet once at once at one event, you bump into an aisle three buying milk and then you see them down at the local butcher buying some Wagyu. Um, that sounds very elitist of me. Sausage, sausages. Let's say sausages. Um, but, you know, I think just because you, the, the sample pool of people, it makes it sound very clinical like a survey, but you know what I mean? Because the population is smaller, um, there's more chance that you are going to see these people regularly and build those kinds of friendships to make a regional life feel like home. It's such a big role being the breakfast announcer for a station like the ABC because radio plays such a critical role in the lives of regional people. You know, growing up in the country, you always had the ABC on the radio in the kitchen, in the ute, basically anywhere there was a radio in the shed, you would hear the ABC. It just became a part of the background noise, which is very nostalgic, which makes people like yourself have quite a strong identity within the community. You know, you become someone that they really turn to because you're waking them up at the beginning of every day. What's that experience been like for you? I loved it. I mean, it's a responsibility I feel every day. I think I've always felt from day one that the ABC, no matter where you are, but especially in the regions, as you say, you're on the shoulders of giants. I know that's a cliche, but it's very true. There have been people before me which people um, really remember and really miss being on the air, who they have good memories of, um, who you are now benefiting from that reputation that's been built over many years and your role is to try and continue that, understand what was so great about some of that history that, you know, you mentioned the honour the shed and that kind of thing and trying to factor that into continuing that with the ABC. So I'm never um, forgetting the fact there have been people that have gone before uh, but I think you're always very humble as well. You know, you'll say, I, I mean, not that I've ever said this because I'm uh, a few years down the track now, but uh, rain's not always a bad thing, you know. Um, just because it's raining doesn't mean it's going to be a terrible day. Old mate wants his crops to grow. Um, and that's a poor example, but you're always learning those kinds of things. And I think always being open to to that and not being defensive when you hear criticism, of which there can be a lot of working in this in this business. Um, when you're tired and you're trying to do the best you can and all you're getting is that kind of stonewalling, what it can feel like anyway. But I, I think, yeah, always being open to that. And I think, I don't know who said it. It may have been Mick Jagger, but he said, make ordinary people feel like rock stars and rock stars feel like ordinary people. And I think that's a great way of how to approach country radio. Oh, I absolutely love that. And it's so true, isn't it? Like so many situations when I was in the city where people would um, complain about it being a rainy day and I would think, oh, <laughs> there's people out in the bush that would absolutely love this rain. And I think it's a good attitude to have that idea of recognising there's going to be things that you don't understand and actually embracing that learning opportunity. I've got to say my mum is one of those people, and I find this extremely embarrassing, who 
is um, a bit of a radio junkie, so she'll call up all the time and offer her opinion on talkback and and really get involved. Um, she's the recipient of the nightlife quiz the winner of the sticker or the magnet, which is on the fridge and apparently one of her greatest achievements in her whole life. She continues to tell people about that. Have you got any radio groupies of your own, Tim? Oh, geez, just after talking about being humble. I've got heaps back, of course. They're waiting outside the door for me, waiting for autographs every single day. Um, but I imagine that, like you said, when you're going down to buy your um, sausages, that you probably get bailed up sometimes. And do do people recognise you in the community? Do you kind of have to kind of add in extra time when you do the shopping so that you're not held up? Uh, thankfully, it's not at that stage yet, but it does happen. Uh, you do get people recognising you and people will say, hi, Tim, and you look at them and saying, I've actually never met you in my life. Um, and th- I mean, of course, those are great moments. I mean, we put a lot of work, as I say, into trying to serve people and make something interesting for them. So when you do get that feedback and, you know, the, the mask is unveiled from this invisible listener, um, that's a great feeling. And um, you get to know them a bit more, hear a bit, bit about their story, where they are, what matters to them it's probably the best way to to find out what people are actually doing on the end of the line when you turn that microphone on every day. You're such a good candidate for someone in the role because you've got such a passion for regional stories and the diversity of those stories and you, you and I have connected around our passion for more exposure to regional stories and, and highlighting regional creatives. Can you tell me what your favourite story has been that you've covered since you moved to Albany? There have been lots of stories I've done, but I think it's the ones where you sit back and you look at and go, only in this part of WA would you find this, which make you laugh. Um, I did one recently about roundabouts um, in Albany. So we have no traffic lights here, which is fantastic. It's been that way for a long time. People take pride in it. Will we ever get traffic lights? Probably not. How many roundabouts do we actually have? Are they safer than lights? So it's a bit of a story looking at how many we have and why there's been this long history of opposition to traffic lights and the and the realistic prospect of us ever getting one and I think that it's something when you when I, when I did sit back and look at it it is so simple but affects everybody and is so unique to Albany that was kind of interesting um, to cover and and see why people get fired up about small things in in life um, there was one the last week when I went out to the Wilson Inlet in Denmark and every year when it rains a lot the inlet fills up with a lot of water, it spills out onto the road, it causes local flooding. And so the department send this excavator in and they physically move massive amounts of sand that separates the inlet and the southern ocean and the water flows between the two and they finally meet. And every year there's got to be about 100, just over 100 people which line the, the shore at Ocean Beach in Denmark and watch this excavator move a bit of sand and it's just hilarious because it's like, well, don't you people work? Probably not. You might be retired or it's Denmark, man. You've got heaps of time. Um, 11 o'clock in the you know, middle of mid-morning watching this excavator just, just yeah, move a bit of sand. And it's quite, it was just struck me as like a really regional thing. People come out and they like to watch it, then do the fishing, then do the surfing and watch nature of which they have such an appreciation for because it's so rich and beautiful in the regions, the, the surrounds you have. And to see it in all its beauty and, I guess, amplifying the reason why people move out to these places was really on display and is on display, I think, when just, you know, an event like that happens. That's just one example. Yeah, I mean, I'm biased, like I said at the beginning, and disclosed my prejudice, but there really is nothing like that beautiful um, outlook of Greenspool and... 
Elephant Rocks and then down to Albany, all of the coastline along there, which is just so rugged, you know, quite different to the blue, beautiful water of, of Denmark. It really just does feel like there's quite a magical vibe down in, in the Great Southern, in the areas that you cover. But tell me, what are some of the things that um, I wouldn't read about on the tourist pamphlet that you've come to discover since living there? Uh, how cold the winter can be and how uh, <laughs> wet it can be. Uh, but I don't, don't put that on the front page of uh, the <laughs> magazines. But, I mean, you know, that's something that has become uh, a charm, I think, for, for Albany, for locals, because you know that you go for the mulled wine recipes in the fireplace you know, maybe you won't read that we used to have a seal that turned up on, I think, every afternoon at Emu Point. Sammy the seal used to know he would get a feed from locals. They used to throw some food out um, until he he met a very unfortunate ending at the hands of uh, someone who killed him. Um, yeah, in quite a gruesome, uh, violent way. Oh. Um, so now there's a, a statue for Sammy the seal, uh, loved by many, betrayed by one, I think is the saying on the monument for Sammy the seal, and he stands tall and proud although not alive, at Emmy Point. So maybe the chequered history of Albany was the page two of Tourism Western Australia's Come Visit Albany brochure. <laughs> but you're right, there really is a cosiness to Albany that I absolutely love. Like I love going down there and, like you say, the hospitality is so good there. Um, have you found that you've been able to replicate sort of your social experience and um, hospitality? Like Albany's got that gin distillery and then obviously when you head down to Denmark, you've got um, so many incredible restaurants and wineries, many of which are in Albany too and the Mount Barker Plantagenet region. I mean, I was, when I was um, in Sydney before I moved back, I'd often go out to some, you know, some of the really lovely restaurants. And I was always so proud to see um, Franklin River and Mount Barker and Plantagenet always, and Demark and all those areas really well represented on the wine list. Um, have you had a, a great experience of the hospitality and eating and drinking options in, in the area that you are that kind of rivals what you had in Sydney? Oh, absolutely. I mean, because you've got the the kind of land for it, and the maybe the something to do with the soil profile. I mean, I'm no, I'm no wine expert, but maybe something about it lending itself to growing grapes and um, that kind of thing and produce. Um, obviously, Margaret River is is famous for it, but Albany and the surrounding Prongrups, uh, Denmark, also have a bit of that too. Um, there are a few places I know, yeah, around Denmark, which is you know visitors come to town. How do we impress them? Take them to this winery and in the in the great southern to uh enjoy the surrounds with a with a nice sip um and some local produce too there's lots of that uh, around here yeah for sure I sort of always used to say to my husband that nothing beats a Saturday in the Great Southern because growing up, I just used to love it. It was sort of crisp. The air was always crisp and you were close to nature and you'd get up and there was just always so much to do. What does Tim's Saturday look like in the Great Southern? Well, eight o'clock would be park run at uh, Middleton Beach. So, I mean, we talk about making friends in the regions and I talked about athletics clubs. I mean, park run has been great. I know they have them all around the country, but uh, a great environment where everyone's happy because everyone's running and they're exercising and that particular walk up Ellen Cove overlooks the ocean. You might even see a whale if you're lucky enough, if you're running slow enough to see it. Um, we like to do a lot of um, walks. I mean, there's so many hiking trails around this region too, so many great mountains uh, in the Stirling Range, in the Prongarup, uh, around Albany, Denmark too, along the coastline, so maybe a trail there. Um, I've recently started getting into a bit of fishing as well. There's so many great spots around here. I mean, it's kind of the famous Albany thing to do really because you're surrounded by places where you could 
um, do that. And you meet some great, wonderful people there. Um, and then on Saturday, as I mentioned, I'm part of a church community. So that's on Saturday afternoons, also a place where we've met a lot of great people. And that's basically my Saturday wrapped-ish. Sick. And where do you get your source of inspiration from for the stories that you've got to tell the following week when you're lining up the show? Uh, well, I think it's all around you, really. I think because you live in the community, um, I had someone once say to me that interested is interesting. I think that's true. If you And I think that you, you hone that over time, but I think if you see something that you think others would be thinking about or doing, it's usually something that might be um, interesting to talk about on the radio. I had a recent example where I went with a friend down to a, a local beach here and his Parks and Wildlife um, National Park's parking pass had been misplaced. It was with another car. So he'd taken it upon himself to handwrite a note saying, my pass is not here right now. This is not my car. Please don't find me. It promises only a few days away. And stuck it on his car. Didn't get a fine. So apparently so far it works. And um, I talked about that the next day on the radio program saying, how have you avoided a parking fine? Um, And a whole bunch of people were saying how they saw the ranger, you know, writing out a ticket and they stopped them or they tried to reason with someone or they wrote a note. So I guess that's just one small example where you can see how this other people will be doing something similar. Um, And that is usually a way that tells you that this is something that your local region will want to talk about, you know, closed shops, empty shop fronts. Um, that kind of thing to things that other people are seeing um, is usually a, a way that I know that something should be talked about on the program. And since you've been in Albany, have you felt like your passion for sharing these regional stories has grown? Yeah, I think so. I think because you, again, appreciate that if you don't do something or highlight something, then it will probably go unheard. Uh, I think that because you also get an appreciation for that reliance that you talked about on the ABC because sometimes it's the only thing you can get. So it um, adds to your, you know, anyway, my existing passion, as we talked about from a young age, to actually, um, you know, meet those people and and tell those stories um, and have an appreciation for what it means to people um, once they actually have their voice heard or, or ideally see something change or an outcome reached because of, the highlighting of a, of a particular issue, you know, whether it be health or you know, education, something like that, those things that you don't have, you know, heaps of in the region sometimes because of your proximity to the cities, um, but your job having some way to try and, and, and create some change, um, that is always great to see. I mean, to that extent, additional to the actual entertaining quality and, um, you know, the fun nature of the stories that you tell, there is a real impact piece to uh, talk back radio and to radio within the regions because you are kind of getting anecdotal data around how people feel about things, um, which is really important for some of the the areas that you just discussed around culture and and education and health and things like that. But tell me, Tim, when you talk to your family back home in Sydney, what's their understanding of of your experience there? Does it translate to them all the different things that you're encountering being so far away in Albany? Well, it's a good point. I think it's a real flashback to what city life versus regional life is like because I'll spend half an hour banging on about the weather and how there's this random cloud in the sky and then how it's been amazing that the sun has shown its face or that we're spending 20 minutes talking about what's great to to catch in the ocean for fishing this weekend. Um, whereas we you know, look at what they're dealing with and they just couldn't imagine hearing anything like that where they are because life is different, life is faster paced, life is busy. There are different things to be thinking about. 
Um, and I think that um, they find it quite funny, I think, you know, when, when they hear the contrast in the kinds of things that matter to people in a regional area like this compared to where they are. Um, it's a reminder of maybe how big Australia is, how different the city regional life can be, um, and how people just find such interest and obsession in the little things like clouds, like the sun, like roundabouts. <laughs> yeah. And I've got to say that roundabout near Bunnings in Albany absolutely terrifies me. So I totally understand the sentiment in that story. Tim, let's bust a myth. So like you just discussed, there is a lot of, you know, assumption that's made about the region. So it's great that someone like you can kind of offer a bit of an education to people back home and hopefully inspire them as well, given that your experience is so close to nature and free, you know, there's a lot of freedom and and less cars and peak hour traffic, like you said. The myth that we're going to bust today is that there are not many professional jobs on offer. Talk to me about your experience with that, with your your life in Albany. Well, I think every morning when I look outside the window after my program, um, you see the car park here starting to fill up with professionals heading off for their day's work, um, looking like they're going to some kind of office anyway. So, I mean, I, I definitely don't think it's some kind of desert for professional life and everyone's retired and going on their boat for a fish. Um, or whatever it might be. Um, and, you know, you, I'm sitting here overlooking the main street. There are plenty of offices and shops here. I mean, obviously, you're going to have more of those service-type industries here because we're a tourism town, right? Do a lot of hospitality um, here, for sure. Um, but there are people who do a lot of remote work, I guess, too, in the regions. I mean, I know those jobs aren't based in the regions, but you are having more of those professional people, um, like my wife, who are moving to places like this because of employer flexibility and things through COVID and things like that. Uh, and so their presence, just even visually around the town, you can definitely feel. And that opens up opportunities. I think also being one of the major regional hubs in the region, you've got a lot of um, government public service jobs here too, government agencies uh, that are stationed and based out of Albany that provide, that's a big em- employer um, as well. Um, so it definitely is something present you can feel uh, in the town and probably keeps us as the bigger you know, regional hub servicing those wider, smaller towns um, in the Great Southern Region. Busted. <laughs> Busted, absolutely. And Tim, can you share a really special memory that you've created since you've moved into the Great Southern? Yeah, look, it's a really small one, but I remember a few months ago, we, um, my team went to Darken in the Great Southern, which might be three hours north, I think it is. Really small town. We're doing a live program from there. And they had recently lost their pub. They were really devastated about it. We had been to the pub last time we were in town and the schnitty was on point, but no longer there. And the community were really trying to find out what to do at a loss to try and keep the doors open again. And they were also really aware of the reputational damage. Who wants to go to a town where they can't get a feed, can't get a beer? It's like a dead zone after hours. And we got there and we were wondering what to do for dinner because their supermarket was closed at that time as well. And instead, the locals had managed to organize this cooked meal for us, like I think it might have been steak or pasta, on, and maybe some wine delivered on a tray to where we were staying, this, this meal for us. And I just think it was really beautiful because the, these smaller towns know when they're on show, when there's visitors in town, when they want to leave a good impression with people about their town spirit, about the regional spirit as well. And they had, even though they had lost one of their greatest assets, I mean, to any town, you know, their local watering hole, their pub, um, they showed what kind of heart they have by caring so deeply for visitors to town. I think it was just a, 
a really nice thing. And um, who doesn't love a bit of food? Because everyone gets hungry. Everyone needs to eat. And just a wonderful display of how close-knit that, that town is. So that, that really stuck with me when we visited there recently. That's lovely. And it sort of resonates too because it just goes to show that it's just the four walls that have gone. You've still got the spirit of the pub, which is really about eating together, enjoying a good meal and company and um, and com- camaraderie, which they still brought out um, despite the, the pub not operating like you say. So that's a really lovely memory. Thank you for sharing that with us. And finally, Tim, I would love you to pitch to us Talk Break Style why anyone should move to regional Australia. Well, I mean, there's a better lifestyle, really. I mean, I think you get to appreciate life a bit more. I think you understand just people. I think you understand people at the most simplest level as well. Everyone has the same kind of needs, wants the same things. Um, It kind of interacts the same when you really think about it, which you get an appreciation for despite our differences when you come to the regions because what you have, the small number of people around you, is, is all you've got to kind of to work with. So you kind of have no no option but to move forward and to understand people at their simplest level and gives you um, an appreciation that we're all really just the same on the same level um, and not racing around like crazy headless chooks but enjoying life. Come to the regions, you'll experience all of that. Oh, that's fantastic. And it kind of picks up on a thread that we've had in a couple of the conversations where I guess it's the opposite of the scarcity. It's sort of abundance. Even when you don't have a lot, you can still make a lot work um, because you've got that community spirit that kind of really keeps everyone um, connected and and feeling valued and, and making life seem very worthy. Tim, thank you so much for having a chat with us today. It's been wonderful to turn, flip the model and be interviewing you as opposed to you interviewing me in your normal capacity as a radio host. Um, It's been fantastic to hear about your experience in the Great Southern and what a huge move to go from Sydney um, and end up in this tiny town. But it certainly sounds like you're really enjoying it and you've um, found your feet in a very cold but cosy part of the world thanks so much for your time tim we appreciate it thanks for having me back cheers you moved where is made on the land of the binjaro people with tim joining us from the land of the manang noongar people we would like to acknowledge the aboriginal and torres strait islander people as the traditional custodians of the land and pay respects to elders past and present This episode was produced by Grace Rufray and hosted by me, Beck Bignall. The You Moved Where podcast is brought to you by Move to More and the Regional Australia Institute. Make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcasts because on next week's episode, you'll hear stories like this. Being a part of the canteen roster, you will never find better food than at a local footy, netty, rugby union, whatever, the canteen is amazing. Everybody just chips in and you just get it done. And the amount of people that come, it's just lovely. Move to More is supported by the Australian Federal Government. And if you head to the website, movetomore.com.au, you can find a wealth of information that will help you make the move. At movetomore.com.au, you can search almost 2,000 regional towns and cities to find your favourite regional destination. And in the same place, find your dream home and job.